Yeah, as Nigel said, um, last week we, we started not exactly a series because it's just a two-part. Uh, Nigel spoke last week, I'll be speaking this week. We're talking about being prepared. Unlike Nigel, I can put my fingers up because I was a scout. And, um, and I just want to build on what Nigel shared uh, and also just to particularly um, apply it to our lives. Because following Jesus, reading the Bible... It's not just um, information to be gathered in our heads, but it's to be applied and lived out day by day. Now, Nigel looked at a passage. I'm terrible with this. Uh, I just crammed it in. Sorry if it's a bit small. But uh, it's from Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. I didn't even have space to cram that in. But Nigel read this passage last week, and I'd like to start there again. This passage is in the middle of a couple of chapters, Matthew 24 and the rest of Matthew 25. Again, it's talking about this issue of end times. This is sometimes entitled, The Parable of the Ten Virgins. And this is what it says. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took the lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took the lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And so this morning, I was just going to start a little bit with my kind of journey, and then, I'm, like I said, I'm going to just apply some, some of the principles and applications of, particularly this passage, but it could apply to any passage to do with end time. Now, when you hear this phrase, you know, and you read a passage like this, I don't know what kind of goes for your, for your mind. Um... I know for some people I know this seems to be all they talk about. Uh, for other people, it's kind of like, oh, not this topic again. Now, I was born into a kind of family where we talked about this all the time. We talked about this over breakfast. You know, as an eight-year-old, I could get a little napkin handkerchief and I could just kind of draw out, this is what it was going to look like at end times. And... Um, and even though I was kind of brought up in that environment, over a period of time, I kind of drifted away. I guess I became, I guess, frustrated. I think that my upbringing kind of came from that place where we talked about it all the time, and it kind of created an environment of kind of fear and kind of gloom. Um, certainly the denomination I was in at the time was God's coming, and we'd best be ready and it's going to be an awful time, and let's just keep our heads down, and hopefully we'll make it. And so there was a great deal of isolation, and a great deal of, of fear. Certainly, again, as I was brought up, this topic very much, Christ coming, was like, you best choose to follow Jesus, because he could come at any moment. 
And so a lot of my friends, their relationship with Jesus was birthed in a place of fear. But fear is never a great motivator. As I would say later, love is way, way a better way. And so this is kind of the way I was kind of brought up. It was kind of also built on because being a person who loves to read history, I was also very aware of reading church history. Every period of history, everybody thought that was going to be the end times. And, uh, and also, again, in relation to my parents, I remember having this conversation with my, um, my mum a couple of months ago. She had just been listening to the radio, Christian radio and Christian TV, and we were just discussing end times, as we tend to often do in our family. And um, she was just talking about some of the signs, um, particularly some aspects to do with Islam. Those who don't know me, I spend most of my time talking to Muslims about Jesus. That's my great passion and joy in my life. Um, but right next to me, there was also a magazine. Uh, it was about 30 years old, but it was saying the same thing. Except this time it wasn't the Muslims, it was communism. And so I was kind of having that all mull around in my mind and also seeing so much fear and frustration. At the same time though, particularly maybe in the last three or four months, I'd kind of been challenged. Because there are a lot of passages in the Bible about the end time. And as a, as a leadership team, we have a responsibility as far as we can to teach the whole gospel, the whole truth of scripture. And so as I was kind of thinking and, and, and mulling about this, we wanted to teach about it. And so Nigel talked about it last week, and I'm going to build upon it this week. But I kind of want to come from it from a different perspective than maybe I was brought up as a child. And for some of you, that would be totally irrelevant. But I know even looking at some of your reactions as I was just sharing some of those stories, it kind of hit a note, particularly if you've been around church for a while. And the way I like to look at it, rather than kind of coming from a place of fear and gloom and all these things are happening in the news, and that is happening. You know, as we, Nigel said last week, we don't exactly know when Christ is going to come, but it's getting sooner. Day by day, second by second. But the way I like to look at it is this way. I was expecting a great reaction there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's me in case you don't recognize it. Yes, she looks young. And yes, my glasses were big. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way, okay? And, um, and so there's many ways of thinking about end times. But the way I want to look at it this morning and then later on as I share about how we can outwork it, it's coming from a perspective of a wedding, of a bride and a bridegroom. Particularly if you look in the book of Revelation, there's a number of passages in Revelation 21 and 19, and again in Ephesians and Corinthians, and I can give you the details later. But it talks about end times in the perspective of kind of the, the bridegroom, Christ returning, and that we, those who love Jesus, those of us who say we follow Jesus, that we are the bride. And, uh, and so for me, this was a great illustration. This is ultimately what Christ's return is ultimately about. It's a glorious event. And so our focus, our anticipation, our perspective should be birthed from that place. Coming from a place of love rather than a place of fear. Yes, there is a seriousness about it. Yes, weddings are a joyful glorious event but there's a seriousness of preparation and commitment and we need to be ready I don't know about you and we and Katie and I got engaged in April 
and we decided we were going to get married in September, September the fir- um, 13th. So last week was our wedding anniversary. And uh, ooh, 18 years, one week exactly. And um, But there had to be kind of like a preparation. It didn't just happen. We were trying to get ready. To be honest, I didn't do too much. Um, my, 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 they might have been here, actually. I don't think they are here. My, my father and mother-in-law pretty much took it on. I only had three things I think I wanted. I wanted Coca-Cola. Santitola. I never got to drink one drop. Uh, I asked at least one layer of the cake would be chocolate. Because uh, I don't particularly like you know, raisins. So those of you who like making cakes, if you want to make me one, chocolate, okay? And um, I didn't get to eat any of that. Uh, I mean, I only had a request, which I did get to do, which was I wanted to leave um, the wedding ceremony um, to the words, um, you never walk alone. Um, as a, I'm a Liverpool fan, and I also thought that the, the words are very appropriate as you walk through life and situations. You know, there was a kind of, basic, kind of good basis to it as well. And, um, but it was kind of involved preparation. It involved a lot of thinking. It wasn't just something that was going to happen. And that's something that, again, as we look at this morning, in sense of second coming, Christ returning, we've got to prepare. Now, as soon as we can end up leaving things last minute, you know, there's a couple of things that um, stick in my mind. You might not recognize from that picture there, um, me in all my glory. I can still fit in those trousers. I was very tempted to wear them, actually, today. <laughs> but Katie refused to wear her wedding dress, <laughs> which we still have. And, um, but I, I cut my hair the morning I got married. By myself. <laughs> you know, I've always been a risk taker. I've always been a risk taker. And uh, I just thought it didn't look right. Um, and I kind of last minute thing. Uh, and Katie, the story with Katie was, um, I think Jenny would say, she's not somebody that particularly, she just likes her natural beauty. And therefore doesn't often use makeup. Um, but she just suddenly decided on the wedding day, she, she thought maybe she should go to a, was it coffer or whatever? I can't remember, just thinking of the Arabic word for it. And uh, just to kind of have some, her makeup done. So she rang up and they said, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we can book you in in the week. And she's like, he's like, no, no, I'm getting married um, this afternoon. And they're like, oh, and uh, quickly just changed everything so she could um, um, have her makeup done. But, you know, even though we knew a thing that was coming, we'd known for months it was going to be September the 13th was when we were going to get married. Both Katie and uh, and myself, we left some some things to the last minute. In some ways we were prepared, but not as prepared as we should be. In the same way, as followers of Jesus, we know that Christ is coming back. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Because we need to be. And that preparation, I'll come back to again and again, should come from a place of intimacy and love. It should cause our hearts to kind of stir and be excited because it's a wedding day. And I'd encourage you, wherever it may be, some of you, even as I was sharing, I really felt this morning I was praying about it. When I talk about relating to Jesus, coming to that place of Jesus from a place of love, that's kind of new to you. And I'd encourage you this morning, it was interesting that Jenny shared some stuff about fear and the way that kind of, the way she connected to God in relation to communion had to change. And I think that could apply in many different areas, but maybe for some of you, God is saying, I want you to connect to me from a place of intimacy. Maybe you chose to follow Jesus from a place of fear. And there's an invitation this morning to follow him from a place of intimacy. Lovers of Jesus always get more done. That is what it's about. 
So what should I be our response? He's coming. How can we prepare? I decided just to do four Ps. Just because I thought I haven't done that in a while. So I couldn't make my mind of what they'd call it passion or pursuing presence. It's interesting, in the last verse, actually the, um, before the last verse, um, in the passage that I read, it says, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. And I could also point you to other passages where it talks about Christ returning, and it says, I don't know you. I don't know you is a phrase that often comes up. I think I've shared before um, in church, but kind of the word for know is more than just an intellectual knowledge, information. It's to do with intimacy. One of the first times it's used in scripture, it says that Adam knew Eve, and then they had Cain and Abel. It's a strong, passionate, intimate word. We need to know Jesus. You know, I could quite easily say, um, um, I meet David Beckham, for example, and I go, oh, I, know, I know you, David, I know this information about you. But do I really know him? No, if you ask David Beckham, do you know this guy? He'd be like, who's he? In the same way, the challenge to myself, my challenge to you is that we pursue Jesus, that we pursue his presence, that we would know him. Because it's about relationship. It's more than just knowing about, it's to do with closeness. It's more than just religion. In my work, particularly talking with Muslims, all the time we talk about religion, we talk about rules and regulations. And one of the things I often stress, stress is for me, following Jesus is not following a religion. It's following a person. It's to do with intimacy. And to get to know somebody, you've got to give them time. You've got to be ready. You can't just suddenly at the last minute try to get to know them in full intimacy. We need to develop a history with Jesus. And that involves a cost, that involves a choice. That means laying down things. The scripture talks a lot about idolatry in scripture, and since we just think of idols, it means like made out of metal or wood or stone. But really, an idol is anything that gets in the way of putting Christ first. Anything that gets in the way of making him the ultimate focus and desire of our hearts. What do we need to lay down if we want to pursue his presence, if we want to fall more in love with him? What do we put before God? One easy way of doing it, I think I'll put it up there. How do you spend your T-E-A-M? How do you spell your time, energy, and money? If you want to know where your heart is, one good way is look at where your time is spent, look at where your energy is, look at your bank balance. The other question I sometimes ask myself is when you are free, if you know me, I like to ask lots of questions. When you're free to talk, think about whatever you want. What do you think and talk about? And I ask myself that reasonably regularly. Because that gives me an indication of where my heart is. Is it really Jesus? There's a quote there by a guy called um, A.W. Tozer. He was a kind of American Christian writer and pastor. He said, you might not have as much of God as you would like, but you have as much as you want. It's very easy to say, I want more of you, God. 
but we have as much as we want because we will rearrange our lives and we will make choices to pursue him. And so my question to you and the question I've been asking myself for a number of weeks, in particular in different areas, is what is God calling me to lay down to pursue intimacy? And we have an opportunity later on just to kind of respond to that. So pursue presence. Secondly, come on. Oh. No, it's previous. Can you flip that forward? There we go. Pray. Again, a lot of passages when it comes to um, end times, it talks about watching uh, and praying. And so, again, for me, that links into this aspect of what I just talked about, presumed presence, because any relationship to grow and develop involves communication. It wouldn't be much good to me to say I love Katie if I don't speak to her. It's going to think that's a bit of a strange relationship. And ultimately, that's what prayer is about. It's kind of creating that space and time to encounter God. To listen to him, to speak to him, but also just to listen to him. And as part of getting ready and prepared, we need to grow in this. I need to grow in this. And there's lots of ways of doing that, but it involves choices. One of the things that challenged me over the summer, I heard a church where one of the pastors said, and this is a church in the States, he kind of threw out this comment. He said, um, do we spend as much time praying as we do on Facebook? And, uh, and I thought, I think yeah, I think I could say yes. But it made me realize how much time I spend on Facebook. I'm not saying Facebook is right or wrong. For me personally, at this point in time, I'm, might sound strange, I'm fasting from Facebook. That was part of my response. That was part of why I had to lay down for this season was Facebook. My challenge to you is what, what is God asking you to lay down? Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's something else that needs to be put somewhere else so we can have more time to pursue the one that we love. Is this what it's about? There's all sorts of things you're going to do. One thing, uh, this is just a, a thing that I've been involved with over the summer that just kind of sprung up that we've started to do as a, as a leadership team. Um, it's going to come out with the Evangelical Alliance soon and various other kind of prayer mission organizations are launching something called the 1155 Prayer Initiative. There's its logo. You saw it here first. And, um, and the idea there is just uh, 1155 wherever you may be, just to take some time out to stop what you're doing, focus on God, listen to what he's saying, and then finish with the Lord's Prayer at 12. You know, if you want to pray for longer, you can. But this is an initiative they're trying to encourage globally across the church. And, uh, and maybe that's something that God's calling you to do. If so, set your, your phone for uh, 11.54. See so you ready at 11.55. But whatever it may be, what is God causing and challenging us to change in our lives so that we're ready for that? The third one is being prepared. This links very much into Nigel's talk, so I'm not going to share massively um, on this. He shared a lot about kind of being prepared 
And there's a verse in Timothy that talks about being prepared in and out of seasons. And one of the things that particularly hit me in relation to this was something that we've been talking a lot about. If you've been around in church, we use this phrase called scattered servants. If you haven't been in church, let me explain what it means. It really means that God has released us, whatever it may be. Whatever work situation you may be in, whatever, maybe you're just um, at home, maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're a student. You are there for such a time as this. And wherever you may be, God is there. God is at work. And this is an invitation to live in that and to outwork that. And that involves a kind of preparation in the sense of heart and attitude. I was, at a, I was speaking at a Baptist church uh, a few weeks ago and a guy came up to me and um, um, he used to do some work with the youth. And he kind of felt really heavy burden and frustrated because he just felt like he was letting God down. He said, you know, I've become a plumber. And uh, I said, you know, I don't have time to do all these other activities I used to do at church. And he felt the pressure from church people. And um, he wanted me just going to give him some wisdom and advice. And this is what I, I said to him. I just said, it's amazing. You have an opportunity to go into people's houses that nobody else has. You have an opportunity to use this phrase, to be a scattered servant, anywhere, anytime, any place, to release the goodness and the power and the kingdom of God into that situation. Most people call a plumber because there's a problem. And you can release, not only fix the plumbing, but release the peace and joy into that situation. You get to go to places like that where people like Nigel and some of the full-time staff would never have an opportunity to go. So what you do, you've got to be prepared and you've got to be ready because you never know what's going to happen. But we know one thing, God is at work and he's preparing things for us. He invites us into a glorious adventure to do stuff. we just got to be ready. It hit me, um, so last week, it was a week before, since a long time ago, um, some of the leadership team were in Coleraine. And some of us decided to go out on the streets just to seize the opportunity, just to kind of speak about Jesus and try to pray for sick people. And um, so I was out there and, uh, with another guy from Norwich. And the first person we spoke to, um, he said, you know, what's your name? And he said, Ivan. And uh, I was thinking, oh, Ivan, it sounds like you're from another country. Again, for those who don't know me, I love speaking to people from other countries. Um, and um, I thought maybe he's going to be Russian. Ivan the Terrible kind of came into my mind and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I know, Polish or something like that. And um, he went, I'm from Bolivia. Um, for the, again, for those who don't know me, it's my apologies for saying that. I was born in Colombia, South America, um, to British parents. So as soon as he said he was from Bolivia, I shifted into Spanish. And um, his marriage had just broken down and... Um, uh, I kind of prayed for him, and I gave him a hug, and I just said literally the word "paz," which means joy, peace, goes all. And um, and the power of God came upon him, and he was just kind of weeping and crying, and that was kind of powerful, and that was that was great. But the reason I share the story in relation to this context was it hit me again. I was just praying this talk about preparation and God being at work in situations. That God got a guy from Bolivia. To Corain, Northern Ireland. He had a guy that was born in Colombia, South America, this, this is me, to British parents, who happens to be over for a few days 
in Coleraine and we meet in the town centre. God is trying to arrange and fix those things up all the time. We just got to be prepared and ready. And one thing everybody agrees again when it comes to end times is before Christ comes back, he's drawing many and many and more and more people to Jesus. And we're being invited to join in that. What I knew about being prepared is, is being ready. Being ready. Now, um, I have a question. What is splits your How many of you used to love sports day? <laughs> Not many of you. <laughs> I, I love sports day. It was one of my highlights of the year. Sports day and the day when we used to do cross country, which always felt just before my birthday. It's, it brings back lovely memories to me. It brings back nightmares to some of you. My apologies. You can get ministry later. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I loved about it was because I trained all year. I was ready for sports days. The problem was with most people was, like the week before, they do, certainly my class, um, well, I actually didn't apply my class because I was there. They just signed my name down for everything from 100 to um, the 1500. I do it. And, um, but in most classes, they would just say, okay, somebody has got to do this event. Who's going to represent the class? Uh, and they'd just put down their names and they'd be like, they'd have like a week's training at, at the maximum to do that. And um, they weren't ready. For me, because I trained all year round, I was ready. Some of those people just turned up and they weren't ready. We need to live ready. I think I put there, so you can hardly see my glasses here this one night. You know, living ready involves choice. Discipline leading to a lifestyle, and this is the name of a book, of a long obedience in the same direction. Christ is coming back. Are we ready? Or is it like sports day? We just think, oh, we'll leave it to the last minute. He's got amazing things that he's inviting us into. And we need to prepare ourselves. Lastly, because time is... Purity. Again, this comes up again and again when he talks about end times. And I chose this verse from Philippians 1, verses 9 to 10. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And in some ways I'm not really going to say a lot about it, but I particularly wanted to draw attention to that phrase. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives. It's interesting it doesn't talk about particular sins or issues or things that need to change. That is relevant and that is important as part of just preparing. But it can be a whole load of things. So to give you a few examples of some of the things that, that works in relation to my life and some of the things that, particularly over the summer, God was just challenging me again and again to lay down. Yeah, it might be um, things, recurring habits that do not line up with the truth of Jesus. But some of the things that God really spoke to me over the, the summer was I, I needed to lay down self-pity. I kind of victim mentality. I, I kind of realized as I reflected 
on my life, which I do sometimes, that there was a lot of kind of self-pity. Poor old me. And God said, you need to lay that down. Sometimes it has to be fiends. It might be a job, it might be a house. It might be a, a passion. These are some of the things about understanding what really matters. It might mean laying down, trying to be, which I don't think they're really, you know, be like the Joneses or the Smiths, you know, that kind of phrase. God is calling us. It might be laying down a fear. I don't know what it is, but God is calling us and inviting us to get ready. So to conclude, Christ is coming. But our response, our motivation should come from a place of intimacy and love. I know this talk this morning is maybe a little bit heavier than one we normally have. In some ways I'm apologetic, in some ways I'm not. But it should come from a place of love. That we want to pursue his presence. We want to grow in purity. We want to pursue his face in prayer. We want to be ready because we love him. And so I'm going to give an opportunity where we can start and that's where we finish. I want to just create an opportunity. We're going to have a song. It's actually called Lay It Down at Your Feet. Um, I suspect most of you won't know it's a very new song. And we're going to just play it. And I'm just going to encourage you. I'm going to pray now and, say, and ask God to speak to you, speak to me. But what is he challenging us to do? Because it involves a response. And every one of those points, you have that exact phrase, why is he calling us to lay down? It might be recurring issues. It can be some good stuff. I'm not saying it's bad. It might be like you've got to lay down your job. Maybe you've got to lay down security. Maybe lay down a dream. Maybe for some of your students, you know, you're just going to start a course. Maybe he's asking you to lay down your course, your plans. It can be different things. And so as we play this song, it's a long song, it's five minutes. As you listen to it, Think and respond. If you want to, feel free to come down to the front. If you want to, feel free to kneel. However you want. It involves a choice. Mark, can you play the, the song?
See you.